filled with, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you get the implication there? (laughs) Oh my, oh my, oh my. Isn't it good to be with other believers? Man, there is so much that uh, I have learned that we have learned in this season just by being with one another that, that we wouldn't see or learn or glean without one another. God loves all of you. I know that sounds trite, but it's very, very true. And, and it's not, there's no exclusions. He loves every single one of you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> In fact, He's dancing over you. Even though your feet might not always be where they should be, His feet are always dancing with joy over you. So, for many of you, what I'm going to share today, um, it's already been confirmed to you by the Holy Spirit this week, and possibly before that. me, Lord. So, <laughs> where, where can you find an ocean with no water? <laughs> On a map. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Why did the ocean break up with the pond? She thought it was too shallow. (laughs) You just, some of you just got that. Okay. (laughs) Oh, Um, some of us have been living the Christian life only on paper. Others have been dabbling in the shallows. But the Lord says there's more, a whole ocean more. It's time to stop dabbling in the pond and break up with it. Jesus prayed this and I'm going to pray it. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. For such was your gracious will. Amen. So, do you have the heart of a child today? I know many of you do. But regardless, I want to pause for a second and just in your own heart, Position yourself right now to hear what the Spirit is saying. Position yourself like this to receive more of the kingdom like a little child. Because if you are not like a little child, you will not understand the things of the kingdom. 
but you can change in an instant. We can change in an instant. And any time we're not like that little child, I can change in an instant. It is not that hard. God has made it so simple for us. It's simply, if you listen to the song that was playing during giving time, it was prophetic. Just receive. If you're looking for the breakthrough, just open up and receive. So we're just going to take a minute and in your own heart, align yourself with whatever the Spirit has been saying. Yield yourself to Him and surrender to Him. It doesn't matter what I'm saying so much as what He's saying. We have no other Lord but Him. So we're just going to take a minute. I'm going to do the same. Mm. Brood over your people, God. <laughs> Thank you, God. We are your kids, Father. We remember all your benefits, all your goodness that you've shown to us. We forget none of your benefits. We remember what you've done. You heal our, all our diseases, forgive all our sins. You're kind, merciful. You love us without end. Your love is like the ocean. And we jump in today. How many of you were either here or listened to the sermon that I taught about a month ago on January 22nd? Um, I said something at the beginning of it in reference to the week before, when Doug taught, I said this. I said, revival isn't coming, it's here. So for three weeks now, I've known that God wanted me to share today on revival. Last summer, July 6th to be exact, the Holy Spirit said this to my wife. We've been praying and begging for revival for years. And in reference to revival, the Lord said this to my wife on July 6th, 2022. He said, the people are ready. By the way, before I go any further, what does that imply? God's always ready. Right. He just waits for us and works with us. Revival doesn't happen with one person. It happens with many people. So he works with us and he's patient. Anyway, the Lord said, the people are ready. And then he said, it starts now, July 6th, 2022. And my wife said, what part of it? What starts? And he said, all of it. And he repeated himself. He said, all of it with emphasis, all of it. And <clears throat> two days later, I learned that on that day, someone very close to us got free from something mentally that they were dealing with, and I didn't even know about it. And since then, we've seen the continuation and the mounting and the building and the growing of that revival. And if you haven't seen it, there's a couple of reasons why, possibly, but it is here. 
Now, that was all before I heard just last week about the Asbury revival that's happening in Kentucky that started on February 8th. I was going to share on revival before I even knew that was going to happen. Um, We have seen the evidence of what God is doing. Many of you, most of you, have probably seen what God is doing here in Grants Pass. And he's not excluding anyone. It's not just here. It's happening in many places, and you've seen it. But just to reference what he's doing here, we've been encountering God's presence together like never before. Um, in home groups, after service, during service here, um, like, ne- like I've never seen before. A growing love for God and one another is, is, is expanding like never before. We're seeing an awakening of the spiritual gifts, prophecy, words of knowledge in individuals where we've never seen those before, and to a greater degree in those who have been operating in those for years. We're seeing repentance and people turning from sin on their own. No one said anything to them. They come and they say, I just turned from this. I just repented from that. The Holy Spirit is moving. He's stirring his church. He's stirring the world. He's drawing people to him. We hear weekly testimonies of healings in the mind and the body from cancer, COVID, chronic pain, etc., You've seen freedom from demonic bondage and mental baggage that has been hanging around for years, even a lifetime in many individuals. We've seen marriages, families, and relationships healed and mended and going in the right direction. We've seen people in this community out on the streets getting touched by God. Jay? (laughs) By Jay. (laughs) and others. We've seen an increase in angelic visitations, visions, dreams, and the list goes on. And it's not happening with just any one person. And there's no formula as to how it happens or when it happens or why it happens besides yielded people and a willing God. But it's happening. It's just happening in a group of amazing believers who are hungry for more of God. They're hungry. We won't be satiated until we get more. And then when we get more, we won't be satiated until we get more. And when we get more, we won't be satiated until we get more. Until we see his kingdom come, we will not be satiated. Until every captive is set free and every disease is healed and every soul is saved, as far as it depends on us, we will not be satisfied. All that to say, it's time to shift from begging for revival to come to stewarding what's already here. So how can we do that? How can we steward what God has already been doing and that we are already doing in partnership with him? How can we steward that? Bill Johnson says this, revival was never meant to stop. It was, it's supposed to continue indefinitely. How can we steward what's happening? There's three ways that come to mind. Number one, less isolation and more fellowship. 
And that is nothing new. That is as old as the book of Acts. Chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And you continue reading the book of Acts. It wasn't just the apostles. It was many other believers. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, you continue to read on into verse, I think, 47. That was verse 44, and you see a revival break out right after that. And, and if you're here today and you feel a little bit out of the loop as to the fact that this is happening, that's okay. If you want to get in on what's happening then you need to get in on fellowship. Because God isn't doing revival with just one person. He's doing it with all of us. If you're out of fellowship, you're going to be out of the loop and you're going to be out of tune. <laughs> Ephesians 3, verse 17 so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. With all the saints. We comprehend the love of God when we're in fellowship and community with all the saints. Love is not love when I'm by myself. Love finds its definition with other people and with God. And may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's an ocean, his love. There is no limit. We and I, we put him in a box. We build walls around him. And today, he's going to break some of those walls down. He's going to kick some box walls down. got my snazzy white shoes today. <laughs> no, I'm not doing the moonwalk, Doug. I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> I got them from Ross. It was a good deal. I don't know. My wife bought them for me. I'm going to blame her. My... Okay. <sighs> so God isn't just speaking to and working with just one person, but many. And you know what that means? We need to regularly spend time with one another, hanging out, getting to know one another, being transparent, ministering to one another, because the ministry is not for just the person with the title 
that's on the 501c3 piece of paper. Ephesians 4 says that the saints are to be built up for the work of ministry. So, hello, ministers. You're all ministers if you're in the body of Christ. We have our terminologies all whack in Western Christianity. We should be calling one another saints and ministers instead of just believers and sinners because the Bible doesn't do that. Paul called them saints. Paul called us ministers, but yet we have it backwards. Somehow the enemy's weaseled his way in and changed our terminologies away from what's in Scripture. But the Father's redoing things. Man, its fellowship is so amazing. Supporting one another. I just got to share a quick testimony here. I could not have made it through this week without Christian brothers and my wife, of course, but with Christian brothers at my side. I don't know how many times I, I, I just had to receive prayer from other believers who are my friends. I, I have... I used to teach at retirement homes um, for many, many years, and there were times where, there were times, microphone, work, come on. Um, there were times where I would go, right before I would go, I would be so crippled with, with just this op- demonic oppression, I don't know what else to call it, um, that my wife would have to put her, lay hands on me and pray for me, and I, and I was able to go and, and, and share. Um, and... This, this past week, I, I have encountered demonic attack like never before. I mean, it's been so incessant. It's, it's, it's come from, since I taught last, actually, it's come in many forms. I'm just going to say that. Um, but this, especially this last week, and I, and I needed others to lift my arms. Amen. Like my wife always reminds me the story of Moses and Aaron that's just needed sometimes. I mean, there, I, I, I was at a point where I said, I've, you know, I've tried everything. I've prayed, I've cast things out, I've, I've bound things, I've um, prayed again, I've spoken tongues, and I've done it all again. And it wasn't until I got on the phone with another believer or believers, and, and they prayed, and we, we were able to link arm in arm, you know who you are, um, that, that things shifted, for real. Because some battles, um, in fact, every battle is meant to be fought together on a battlefield with other soldiers. It doesn't make sense to fight a war on your own because you're going to lose and you're going to fall down every time. But when you have someone to pick you up, it helps. <laughs> it's necessary. So this revival that we're in, it looks different than past revivals that we know of. Okay, so there, there's a paradigm shift required for us to recognize what's actually happening. Um, so first of all, as I mentioned, it's not just about one person. Uh, it's not just happening around one individual. Like God always has, and has always been his, tent, his intent, he always wanted everyone to come up the mountain with him, not just Moses. But sadly, people just simply say no. They just say, no, I don't want to. I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm not into what you're into, God. I'm into my thing. 
But God says, no, there's something better. I, w- I wish you could choose me, but I certainly am wanting you and inviting you to come. So this revival is different. It's about all of us. Yes. All. If you think you're excluded and you're having that thought right now that, no, no, it's not me. No, no, it is you. Every one of you in this room and every believer in this city and those who aren't believers yet as well. There's a breach that needs to be repaired. This revival also is a slow, steady build. If it started last summer, where are the, where are the news headlines? Where are the big tents? Huh? We don't see them, right? Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But if I were to erect a building quickly, um, oh, this is so funny. I was, my, my kids had this YouTube channel on last night, and this guy, this guy just, he's hilarious. So he built this cardboard house, and he got it on Airbnb and rented it out. Cardboard. And he got like a hundred bucks a night and then it rained the next day and it was gone. Like, so it was, it was hilarious. So uh, if I were to do that, right, build this thing overnight, it didn't take him, it wasn't just overnight. I mean, it took him a while. It looked like a lot of work and for what, I don't know, but a lot of subscribers maybe. Um, I digress. So if I were to erect something like that, that's just on my own, you know, something like that. And it looks, so, it looks fine. When the rain comes, it doesn't last. But if God has multiple people and we're all working together to build something with solid rebar reinforced concrete and we're taking our time and we're doing it right and we're doing it well and there's that slow build do you think the enemy will be able to knock that down no. very likely? No. You see, we've been conditioned into thinking that quicker is better. Why are they taking so long? Where are my fries and my burger, right? <laughs> God doesn't work that way. Abraham, you promised me a son, and here it is 25 years later, and where's the son, God? 25 years, God promised Abraham something and he didn't give it to him for 25 years. And then when he did receive that son, I mean, he didn't see descendants as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashores, did he? But what did he do? He believed anyway. And that's what's required. It's faith. We need to see what we can't see. We need to see what's not here and we can't let where we've been dictate where we're going. This is what the Spirit's saying, and I know you know it, (laughs) those of you who are prophetic. So it looks different from past revivals. Speaking of the past, the second thing that I believe is, is required for us to continue to foster what God is doing to play our part is less reliance on the past and more reliance on God. That seems simple enough, right? Isaiah 43 I keep hearing this, these two verses from many of you over the last, oh my goodness, maybe two years? It, it's, uh, wow. Isaiah 43, 18, many of you can probably quote this. Remember not the former things, right. 
nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing now. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So when he says former things, I want to drill into the context of this real quickly. When God says, remember not the former things, he's speaking to Israel. What is he referring to? Well, we could figure that out by just rewinding a few verses to verse 15 through 17, Isaiah 43, 15 through 17. It says, I am the Lord, your God, your Holy One, the creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. Oh, I love this. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. What event is he referring to? The Red Sea, the Exodus from Egypt. Okay, so he just said that, and then he goes on to say, remember not the former things. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was pretty mighty what he did. And he says, forget it. Like, remember that I'm good, but forget it. (laughs) Because he says, I'm doing a new thing. So before, whereas he brought deliverance in the midst of the sea, now he's going to bring deliverance in the midst of the desert. He buried Egypt and the enemies in the water. This time he's going to deliver his people in the desert with water. He can do that. He's God, right? I've been seeing the, um, I've been seeing the number 1111, and I'm not um, one of those guys who sees numbers a lot, but I've been seeing them ever since last October. And okay, others of you, yeah, all right. Okay, I'm not the only one. Oh my, wow. Okay, um, so in fact, guess when my wife and I went to bed last night? We, we look over at the clock and I'm like, are you kidding me? I took a picture of it. I, I'm like, wow, this is, I've been seeing it several times a week for a full month now. Um, leading up to this sermon today. So, so um, the Lord led me to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 11, but I'm going to read verse 10 first. I mean, I've seen it on the clocks in our house, the clocks in our car. I saw it on the washing machine. There was, you know, 11, 11 time, the amount of time left. Um, I think it was 111, I don't know. Um, he says in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10, it says, For the land that you are entering to take possession of it is not like the land of Egypt, from which you have come where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables. I'm going to read that one more time. I just want to make sure that everyone is catching what he's saying here. For the land that you are entering to take possession of it, future tense, like a a new territory here, um, is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come in the past, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it. Now listen to verse 11. But the land that you are going over to possess, there is territory that God is giving us in the form of souls. The land that you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water by the rain from heaven. Do you see the contrast? 
So without rain, it doesn't matter how many wells I dig or redig. Without rain, all of the springs of water in the mountains will be dry. Without rain, the rivers in the valleys will be desolate. There will be no water flowing in them. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 12. This is what Jeremiah said. Speaking in the mouth, by the mouth of the Lord, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. He's speaking to the heavens. Declares the Lord, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We don't get to save manna for tomorrow. Um, I don't even know what it fully looks like yet. I, I, don't, I don't fully know what it looks like, but this is prophetic. For the season we are going into, um, in that God is going to add an ease to the way we do things that we haven't been used to. He's, he's, he's showing us a better way to his way, yes, Nick, to access what he has, what he has, what he has. So it's time to stop digging and start praying for rain. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. He pr- then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Without rain, there's also no fruit. It says, then Elijah prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore what? Fruit. Genesis 2, verse 5. When no brush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, why didn't it spring up yet? For the Lord God had not yet caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground. Two things were needed, rain and workers. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the earth. So this verse 5 here is the first time uh, where, uh, I think, yeah, where, where rain is referenced in the Bible. And then also watering in verse 6 is the same, that same word that's used in uh, Deuteronomy, uh, also translated as irrigate, okay? Watered or irrigate. But the first time it's used, it's in reference to what God was doing. He's, God's like, you've been try- it's like we've been striving. 
I, I know I have in many ways, striving. And he's like, I, I can bring the rain. You just need to ask for it. <sighs> ask for it from him. Jeremiah 14, in the NIV, it says, do, do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain? Do the skies themselves send down showers? No. It is you, Lord, our God. Therefore, our hope is in you, for you are the one who does all this. Yes, Lord. Right now, we just stop, we pause, and we ask for the rain. We ask for your rain. Holy Spirit, we cry out for your rain. We ask for your rain, Lord. We, are, we can't bring rain. Only you can. Lord, just fill up the dry places. Come, come, bring floods in the desert. Lord, just immerse us in your love. Immerse us in the ocean that you are, Lord. There's so much more limitless you are, God. Waters and water and workers are needed for growth. We get to partner with God. In 1 Corinthians 3, 6, it says, Paul says, I planted Apollo's water, but God gave the growth. So, all right, is that contradictory? I mean, I can water, right? We're supposed to water and others plant? Is that contradictory? Again, without heaven's rain, we have no water to pour out. We have nothing to give. There will be no increase. This is, this is God's way of working. He decides he has chosen to work with us. In his, somehow, in his sovereignty, he says, this is how I work. I work through, I, through, I work with my people. By the way, God doesn't use you. He works with you. <laughs> That's what it says. Scripture says that. It says, God working with them confirmed the word through sign, many signs and uh, miracles and acts. God works with us. So if, if, if we've been living like Christians on paper only, or are not fully immersed in what God is doing among his church, then no one will get watered. If we aren't immersed in him, if we aren't filled with him, no one is going to, we, we can't water like Paul watered. Doug referenced this last week. John seven thirty eight, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers or torrents of living water. We are the means through which God's river flows. We are his conduits, the conduits of his reign. But accessing heaven's reign, it does require purposeful persistence. Not to be confused with striving, but it does require persistence. There is this confusion um, that's, been, that's been taught for ages that somehow grace and works are opposed to each other. But Paul says that I worked more abundantly than all of you first. I think it's for Timothy. No, I'm going to get my scripture reference wrong. Um, he says he worked more abundantly than all of them. I think it's first Corinthians. Why? How? By the grace of God. He said, yet not I, but the grace of God in me worked. Okay, so, so 
Grace is, the, is that hemi engine that causes your vehicle to go. Is the engine as opposed to your vehicle? No, it helps it, it supports it. And without it, it doesn't move. So we have work to do, but God's grace in us works through us to accomplish what's in God's heart. It is by His grace and His goodness, His power his, that is in us that, that works in us. So there is, there, is, there is no striving, but we need to be purposeful about accessing this. No, we don't get to just sit back. And in fact, if we do, nothing will happen. Right. Nothing will happen. And, and again, I want to, I, I don't, it's not so much this tribe, but I want to talk about it briefly. Sovereignty, there is a very skewed and, and very, uh, it's a lie to understand God's sovereignty as just a sovereign sitting on his throne without involving his subjects in his kingdom. That is silliness. That is craziness. Sovereignty includes God's people because God decided to do it that way. Man, is it God or is it me? It's both. If he works with us, then it's both. There's end of argument. <laughs> do I understand how it all works? No, but do I need to? No. So this God is the sovereign. He works with us. He doesn't just say do it on your own, nor does he do it on his own. Isn't that crazy? So there's a third reality that we must be ready for um, as it comes to as it relates to stewarding this revival that is already happening here. Less convenience and more care and cultivation. There's no way around it. When rain comes, things get muddy. Cultivating growth is always messy. But without the hassle of cultivation, there will be no crops for harvesting. In fact, Proverbs 14.4 says just that. In the New Living Translation, without oxen, the stable stays clean. But you need a strong ox for a large harvest. Can I, can I put that into modern vernacular for a second? <laughs> you guys are going to love this. You know what I'm going to say. Without oxen, the stable doesn't have any poop. <laughs> oh, man. It's my little kid coming out. <clears throat> but you need a strong ox for a large har- harvest. So, so, I know you don't need a lesson in the GI tract, but... Food is required to enter the body for it to be excreted, but what is not excreted is turned into energy and strength to empower the ox or to us to do work. So in the feeding, there's another end to the feeding, if you know what I'm saying. Um... Things need to be cleaned up, and we need to get used to it. Case in point, uh, Mark chapter 1, Jesus uh, 
Mark chapter 1, verse 20, verses 22 to 26. This is Jesus right near the beginning as he's starting his earthly ministry. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Jesus we're talking about here. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes, the ones who lived only on paper, by the way. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. He cried out! Would that make you uncomfortable? <laughs> make sure you're awake. Anyway, he did. He, cry, he cried out in church. Um, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Probably said it in a little more growly, you know, scratchy voice, maybe. Have you come to destroy us? So we're dealing with multiple demons here. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Does that, what we just read there, does that, do you see that happening in church? Sometimes. Sometimes? Yeah, we saw it on TV this last week, if you watched. Um, that should be normal. Sorry if I offend some people, but it should be. Um, it also happened in the book of Acts. Here's why. Okay, deliverance should not be a sideshow. It should be, okay, deliverance was a focal point of Jesus' ministry. He did it everywhere he went. He didn't say, get that person out of here, they're distracting me. They're impeding what I'm doing. Yeah, the demons were so, he, he didn't just say, go away, he dealt with it in love. And here's why it matters, because people are in bondage. And a loving God says, I want to set people free. So to brush it under the carpet and say, no, 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 that's ugly. It's to say that person is ugly. No, the demons are ugly and they need to be dealt with because that person doesn't need to be in bondage anymore. Western Christianity needs to get back to Jesus Christianity. Instead of wanting to remove someone so they don't disturb our peace, we need to help remove their demons so they can have peace. I'm preaching now. <laughs> compassion over convenience. That's what it is. It's compassion over convenience. But some might protest. Oh, but all things need to be done in decency and in order. Isn't that what the Bible says? Yes, it does. But let's go ahead and read the context. I'm not going to read it, but, but if, you could, if you want to look it up, you can. 1 Corinthians, don't take my word for it. 1 Corinthians 14.40, what is Paul referring to? Tongues needing to have an interpretation and prophecy needing to be tested by multiple prophets. That's it. That's all he's referring to. And we have twisted that and stretched that to mean far more than Paul ever intended to the point where many churches have been downgraded into places of business when they should be places of worship and that, and that alone. Hallelujah. The church is not a movie theater for our entertainment. 
It is supposed to be a, it's not supposed to be a fine, well-oiled business machine for our benefit either. This is a family for the growth of God's people and for his glory. And that is it. Anything more than that is demonic. And if you're offended, you need deliverance probably. (laughs) Because I'm just quoting scripture here. And if you want to disagree with me, bring your scripture. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. I love you guys, but God loves you so much more than I do, and he wants freedom for his people. And we need to shed some weight so that we can run full steam ahead. John chapter 4, I love this story. Jesus' love just exudes to this woman at the well that everybody else overlooked because of her problems, because of her issues. She had how many men? Like six, five, I don't know. I think six, and then Jesus, Jesus was the seventh. The perfect one came along. Thank God. She's like, I finally found my man. <laughs> John chapter 4, verse 7 through 26. I'm not going to read this whole passage. Praise God, you say, yes. Um, but I'm going to skip around real quick. So in verse 9, this lady, Jesus, you know the story. Jesus is having this dialogue with this woman at the well in Samaria. Samaritans were outcasts because kind of, they, were, they had this kind of, they had morphed versions of the Assyrian religions with, with Judaism, okay? And it, so it was this weird hybrid uh, religion. It was still a religion, but it was not the true religion. And, and as a result, the Jewish people um, spurned them. You know, it was like, it was like, uh, like religious racism, if you will, okay? They said, you know, we're not talking to those people. But what does Jesus do? He busts through the, all those cultural religious barriers. I love him, man. He, he made so many people angry, by the way. Um, uh, verse 9, it says this here. Um, this is her response to Jesus. I'm going to start in verse 7, actually. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. (laughs) They missed out. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She's just like, what is this? This isn't really acceptable. Okay, so she's, she's basically saying, because my sect, my denomination is different than yours, we shouldn't be talking. How is it that you, a Jew, can you hear it? Can you hear the religion in her, in her tone here? He continues on in verse 12. I'm going to skip down here. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself. So she's, she's elevating the person of her religion. And it wasn't even her religion. So she's saying, look, at he, Jacob, are you greater than Jacob? I mean, he's Jacob. You know what I'm saying? The Jacob, the one and only Jacob. <laughs> are you greater than him? I mean, come on. I mean, he gave us, he gave us some water. What, do, do I really need your water? This dude gave us, he gave us some water. He dug some wells and gave us some water. And then verse 20 You go on and she says, 
uh, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Can, can, you, heal the, can you hear the pride in her tone? Yeah. Our fathers, our founders, they did this and they did that. And they, and they worshiped in this place. So it's important that you're at this place and that you regard our person and our sect. Do you hear it? And Jesus, at every point in love, he corrected her. You know why? Because there was a better way. Because he loved her. And he saw that she had been so thirsty. And he said, here I am. I have some drink for you. But the hour is coming, and now is here, verse 23, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people, and He still is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him, not in a certain place or under a certain person, but in spirit and in truth. And not according to a certain creed, but according to his heart and his spirit and his word and his ways. And why is it not about a particular place? You are that place. You're that place when you're here. You're that place when you get in your car. You're that place when you go home. You're that place when you go to the streets. You're that place when you go to work. Whatever place you're at, you're that place where you get to bring the presence of God. And it's not, it's for everyone. Even if you don't yet know Jesus, he's extending the invitation to you to know him. He's been speaking to you and he wants you to work with him. Everything this woman said, it reeked of dead religion. Regarded denominational creeds, people, and places are the earmarks of man-made religion. But thankfully, this woman at the well, she realized what was holding her back. And in an instant, she broke free. She responded like a child to the king of kings, who is above all power and principality and rulers and names. His name is Jesus. She embraced a better way, a better one, and a better place. Samaria was the first revival recorded in the New Testament. Isn't that interesting? Do you think there was some messy stuff Jesus and the disciples had to work through in that place? (laughs) Do you think it was uncomfortable? Do you think it was not what they were planning on or expected or wanted to do even. Brother Jay reminded me of a story of the story of Jonah this week. Do you think Jonah wanted to go do that stuff? (laughs) We we don't even want to do what God wants us to do sometimes. It's not true. That's why it's called surrender. 
That's why the Bible says that our life is not our own. We've been bought with a very, at a very, very high cost. The cost of the God of the universe, his very life was poured out so that I could live and not die and go to hell. He did it for you too. He did it for everyone who needs greater freedom in their life. And he doesn't want anyone to stay in chains. And so we need to, we need to stop being uncomfortable with things that don't make God uncomfortable. And the only reason certain things make us uncomfortable is because the demons that are hanging around are uncomfortable because they don't want to leave. They want to stay. And when will we stand up and make them go? What lies did Stephen, the first martyr, what lies did Stephen's enemies use that they knew were likely to get Stephen killed as they appealed to the religious leaders? Acts 6, verse 12. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon them and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses to, that said this, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs or the traditions that Moses delivered to us. Now that stirred up the religious leaders like nothing else. And what did they end up doing to Stephen? Acts 7, they stoned him to death. They could not come against the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in him, so they said, we will just shut him up. Religion kills. But the Spirit brings life. And it does not matter if we're talking about John Wesley or John Wimber, Chuck Smith or Charles Finney, any person, tradition, movement, or place should never trump God's word in what the Spirit is doing now. We should honor and glean from others, of course, and I'm thankful for those saints and others, very thankful. But the moment we elevate any person or movement any higher than any of the rest of us, We've erected nothing less than an idol. And I bow to only one. And his name is Jesus. I am not and I will not be loyal to any creed, person, or place above God. What did Jesus say to the Pharisees? Who he loved. Otherwise, he wouldn't have talked to them. Otherwise, he wouldn't have debated with them. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mark chapter 7, verse second part of verse 6 through verse 9, and then verse 13, it says, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Verse 13, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition. That is powerful. 
that we can actually make the word of God of no effect through tradition? I mean, that's, that's quite a bit of authority that God's bestowed upon us, us creatures of earth. His creatures of earth, absolutely. But it's, it's, it's amazing that we can, with tradition, squelch what he's doing, what he's saying, which you have handed down and many such things you do, he says. So my heart is loyal to Jesus and Jesus only. And it says, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, the first part of the verse says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong like an ox. (laughs) Or a man of war. Strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Where is your loyalty? That's good. Time to wake up. (laughs) Thank you. I'll pay you later for that. Mm. So good. So good. Seriously, though, to whom are we loyal, ultimately? I don't know how many times uh, someone has said to me uh, throughout my Christian walk, um, I mean, this goes back, I mean, to my, you know, teens even, where I, I share a scripture and I go, and, and, and the person says, well, this person who founded this denomination said this. And I go, I'm thinking, who cares? Like, I don't care. This commentator says this. This author says that. I don't care. I'm an author, and if what I say in any of the books that I, book that I have written or any that I future will write is not in alignment with God's word, I help you tear it out and burn it. I mean, come on. I, whew. If our loyalty is to anyone other than the Holy Spirit and His voice, it is time to untether yourself from that bronze serpent. Second yeah, right. yeah. Kings 18.4, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, removed the high places and he broke the pillars and cut down the asterisk and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehashtan. Who made the bronze serpent? Who had Moses make the bronze serpent? God. It was a move of God that was mighty and amazing and people got healed. In fact, if they didn't look at the serpent, they were not healed. But God wasn't moving that way because he chose not to move that way in the season of Hezekiah. It is time to take the bronze serpent and to break it. And you, and you know what that is for you in your life. I struggle with this myself. In fact, there's this particular song over the last couple of weeks that has really been just helping me get into the presence of the Lord. So I thought, I'm going to turn it on again today. 
And the Lord, the Holy Spirit goes, Mm-mm. no, not going to work. He led me to a different one. And I just got, oh man, the Lord just met me. Do you know why that happens? Because this is not a formula. This is not a business. This is a relationship. It is a family. And I don't script out my days with my wife no more than I do with my friends. Well, we did that yesterday, so we're going to do it again today. How boring is that? I'm going to say something here. You know why the world doesn't, why the, why the church is shrinking? That's why. Because the world says, I walk into this place, any place, where things are, nothing changes for 50 to 100 years, and everything's done the same. And they go, they don't know why, but they're just like, I don't feel comfortable here. I don't feel at home. I don't feel welcome. They know in their spirit, they're afraid to walk outside the, step outside the box. They feel it. But with God, there's no box. There's decency and order as it comes to tongues and prophecy. But man, I've been, I've been saying to my wife for a while, I said, I long for the day when I teach a sermon. Actually, one day I might teach a powerful sermon when demons manifest during the service. That would be amazing. Like that, literally, I desire that. You know why? Because then I can interrupt, I can stop, and I can close my Bible, and I can go help someone get set free. I care less about what I'm sharing up here than what he's sharing in there, in your hearts. I can't do anything. I'm just a worker. And I hope to give you water but I don't have anything to offer unless he gives it from heaven. And neither do you. None of us do. Man, his love is, he is just like, hmm, do you feel his passion? Do you feel his passion? He is pursuing people so vehemently. He says, I've been wanting this for so long. I've been wanting it for thousands of years for my whole all of my creatures, all of my creation and all the people that I created to come up this mountain with me, to walk through the valley with them. I don't want them to be away from me. I want them to be in my heart with me where I am. Jesus prayed that in John 17. May they be one as we are one, Father. Oh, his heart just yearns for you and for me. He doesn't want to be apart from you anymore. feels passion. So today, each of us is in one of three camps. Either you're someone who has been on paper only and you haven't jumped in. You're faking it. And maybe you you didn't used to be faking it, but you are now. He says, jump in. Some of you are in the shallows. You're double-minded. You're like, I kind of like this stuff. I like the way it makes me feel. I, 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 like, I like what happens when I'm around these people. But I'm not sure I'm ready to give up the sin I've been walking in. I'm not quite sure. I'm kind of walking this line. I'm on this fence. 
Jesus says in Revelation that he wants to spit you out of his mouth if that's who you are. I didn't say it. He said it. And, and, and I, I will be the first to admit I've been there in my life before. There is zero shame here. Please hear that. There is no shame. There is only the love of God. And it requires us to get real and call out some elephants in the room for things to change. Because we all know the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over, decade after decade, century after century, expecting the same result. Or different results, sorry. There's a third group in here. There are are many of you. Oh man, and I applaud you and I honor you and I'm thankful for you personally in my own life, you are all in and you are on board and you have, you have gone in head first and you are in the ocean and you are, you are walking what God is wanting you to walk in. So which one are you? Which group are you in? And maybe before you came today, you weren't quite sure, but the Holy Spirit revealed it to you today where you are. And again, I'm going to say it again. There's no shame. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to forgive us of our sin. It says to lay aside every sin and the weight that so easily entangles our feet and run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But some of, some of you have gotten your eyes off of him, and you're like Peter, and you're sinking. You're sinking. You once walked on that water, and now you're sinking in it. And he says, just just reach out your hand. I'm right here. I'm right here. Some of you are like Peter, John 21. You've gone back to fishing. You say, God has let me down. He let me down. But you know what? The problem is never with God. And that same God is inviting you back right now. (laughs) Because he's so faithful. Can anything separate us from the love of God? Height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor anything created, anything in the heavens or under the earth, nothing. And all of creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So if you are in him, you are in him. Just walk with him again. Are you in or are you not? When I was a teenager, I did some foolish things. How many of you, well, you don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) I regret 
I didn't even say anything yet. Okay. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Tony's up there. Um, I used to go cliff jumping. <clears throat> I grew up in Montana, and, and we'd jump off these cliffs, and my, my uncle actually was there at, 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 for some sometimes, and he took videos. And I saw these videos just re- in the last couple of years of us jumping off these cliffs, and I did not realize how high they were. I mean, I was an idiot. I mean, <laughs> really stupid. I mean, the st- who, who knows? And I even heard these rumors like, yeah, someone drove an old car off that cliff, and it's probably under the water there somewhere. And I'm like, cool, let's go. You know, <laughs> um, that was foolish. And, and what God is asking you to do today might seem like foolish to others, maybe even to you, but it's not. It's the wisest thing you can do. <laughs> but there's no middle ground. There's, there's standing at the edge of the cliff where it's safe, or there's jumping off. There's no middle ground. Either we're staying where we have been, or we're moving forward. We have been given a gift of freedom, of revival, but all of it was costly for Jesus. And it's costly for many of us too. Do you think it's easy for me to get up here today and to share some of the things I've said? The Lord's been training me through the book of Ezekiel. The Lord said to Ezekiel, he said, Ezekiel, you need to warn the righteous and the unrighteous because if you don't, their blood will be on your hands. You are accountable for them. And if they turn, you save them. If they don't turn, it's not on you, it's on them. So what God has put in my heart, I have to share. Or your blood's on my hands. We must let freedom reign here. We have a privilege and a responsibility to steward a gift that's been given to us. If God didn't love you, he wouldn't share anything with you. If he didn't care, he wouldn't share. And he's been sharing with you by his spirit, many of you all week. I know it. (laughs) He is calling each of us by His Spirit, because He wants to work with each of us by His Spirit. He wants to break out captives who have been bound for years, and He wants to use you to do it. He wants us to do great things, not alone, but together. What we are going to see in Grants Pass and in this nation will eclipse what we've yet to see. And the enemy is going to have a really hard time shutting it down if all of you are on board. (laughs) 
are you tired of letting the enemy beat you up? <laughs> then it's time to fight. <clears throat> but trust me, you want to be a part of what God's doing. But to run fast, you need brothers and sisters alongside you. And we need to cast off any weights that we have. Anything that has shackled us, even if we weren't aware of it previously. And I know I'm going long today, so I appreciate your patience. I'm going to wrap up here. This is the, this is the time when you get to do something. You get to do something. You get to make a choice. Now, I'm going to call something out. If you feel that fear right now, do you know what that is? It's a devil. That's right, Victoria. That is your confirmation you need to do something. So if you want to have more fellowship and you've been held at your home, I want you to come forward and it's time to remove what's been working to isolate you. Or shall I say, who's been working to isolate you? Yes, we are. I appreciate your bravery. Yeah, come on up. Thank you, Lord. You get a double blessing. Whew. Wow. Yes, Lord Jesus. The church is the people. It's not this. It's this. The church is the people with Christ as the head. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you guys. If, if anything that I said today that was in line with Scripture and with what the Holy Spirit is saying, if it offended you today, then you need to come forward to get free from some spirits. They're called religious spirits. There is no shame in removing what shouldn't be there because this is a family. And when my kids come to me for help, love you guys. I help them. And when I go to my kids for help, they help me. Friday, Friday, I was so discouraged, so attacked by the enemy. It took my daughter Eden to say, Dad, you need to read Job. And I go, ooh, whoo. And then my wife went to read James 5, and she starts reading, and it's about basically take heart, remember Job. I didn't even know that was in chapter 5 of James. This is a family. <laughs> and in family, families help one another. They don't judge one another. They aren't inconvenienced by one another. 
no more than Jesus was inconvenienced by anyone he ministered to. So again, I'll say it again. If you were offended or you need more fellowship and you want prayer, or for any other reason for that matter, why the Holy Spirit might be saying, come, come, don't wait. Take an act of faith and ditch that garbage you've been hanging on to. Come forward. He wants to involve you in what he's doing. Father, if you feel led to come forward and pray for those who are here, do it. Because you're ministers. If you still are feeling that fear or that tug to come forward, do it. He gives his spirit without measure. (laughs) Thank you, Father, that you have been so kind to me for so many years. I'm just a kid who says, Father, I don't know what to do, but I need your help. And I say it again and again and again, day in and day out, year after year after year, and you're always faithful to hear. And I thank you for that. I just thank you right here in front of these friends that you have been so faithful to me. And I know that 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 sentiment is echoed here among your people. Lord, we just look upon your face. We look upon your faithfulness and we thank you for what you have done. We thank you for what you have yet to do, Lord. There are mighty things that you want to do with your people and through your people, with your people. I saw this vision this last week as I was in the presence of the Lord. I saw who I thought was either the Father or Jesus. He was on this battlefield and there were demons everywhere. And he had this big sword and he was like in this dance, wielding this sword and he was hacking and he was slashing. And his eyes were closed as he smiled with joy exuding from his heart. Man, he is on the move to steal Jay's one-liner for you. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. And it's okay. By the way, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm calling out all kinds of stuff here. It's okay that there's no music playing right here, right now, guys. It's okay that these people are praying and we hear them praying. This is not a library. This is a family. Families talk. Families do ministry together. Families help each other. So we're going we're gonna to be, be quiet for just a minute besides those who are praying. But if you're, if you're sitting, just continue to listen. We just want to yield to the Holy Spirit. Whatever he's doing, we just want to yield to him. We just want to bow to him. We want to re- repent of anything we need to repent of. We just thank him for anything we need to thank him for. Just, man, let's just enjoy his presence because he is here with us. He never leaves us. We just forget that he's here. Yeah. 
I believe I have something prophetic. Um, uh, a while ago, the Lord gave me a dream. Um, it was my brother and I in a in a vehicle where we were raised on Kodiak Island. And we had this one curve that was called Dead Man's Curve. And the reason why it was called Dead Man's Curve is if you were going too fast around it, you would go over the railings and drop 800 feet into the ocean. And my brother and I were driving, and we hit Dead Man's Curve too fast, and we, and we found ourselves falling down. And I looked at my brother, and I, and I smiled at him. I said, it's okay. And then we hit the water, and we started uh, sinking deep really fast. And I realized that we have to get out of the car to get into the, to, to be able to breathe air. And so I opened up the doors and I pulled my brother out and I realized that we could breathe underwater because of the freedom that Christ had given us, we could breathe. And when Matt was talking about we have to go to the deep, he has taught many of us to breathe underwater. And when he was saying that we have to jump off the cliff, I saw people raining, falling into the water, into the deep, but there's people underneath there that know how to breathe underneath. We are a family, and we're going to learn how to breathe in the Spirit like we have never breathed before. So, Father God, we just receive that. Lord, we want you. No matter what the cost, we want you. And we want to go where you want to take us, not where we want to go. Amen. During worship, um, I saw a single ripe Roma tomato, and I had no word to go with it, so I just waited until now, and the message that Matt delivered, brilliant. And um, the Lord was showing me the tomato is like the first fruits, that single ripe tomato. And any of you who've raised tomatoes know that that vine produces a great deal. And during all of Matt's message, I was completely overcome with joy. I just kept erupting in little giggles, and my face actually hurts to keep from guffawing in the spirit. And during worship, I was completely subdued in peace. And those two are the first two fruits of the spirit. Um, in Galatians 5.22, joy that overflows and peace that subdues. And those are two of the fruits that are flowing freely here this morning. And um, the, this is just the first fruits of what is coming.
you know, the the enemy steals, kills, and destroys. First thing he wants to steal is your persona. It's who you are in him and who he is in you. And, you know, so my word simply is get rid of the false persona. Because the enemy is trying to make you out to be something you're not or take away something that you are. So when we're in Christ, you know, the first thing he said to uh, Jesus was, if you are. So he's, he attacks our identity so that we can't stand up and be who we're supposed to be. And it's by that which every joint supplieth. The Pauline Gospel, you did a great job this morning, brother. Hello. Uh, during worship, well, <laughs> yeah, I jumping in the ocean here, folks. I heard the word leprosy, and <clears throat> I'm feeling that uh, some. I'll just throw this out. If you feel like you're unclean, that's what they would proclaim in biblical times, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. But that's the enemy lying to you. You are not unclean because his blood covers you completely. And Matt said, if we sit back, nothing will happen. So I figured I better get up here. (laughs) I do. past couple days, the Lord's been teaching me. I just want his words. Um, First, he said, you don't, I've got my name. You don't need to be concerned to, you don't need to be fearful of, of messing up my name. I've got it. I've got my name. And then a couple days later, he's like, Hannah, you've got my name. Don't let fear of perception or your name, my name, you know, fear of fear. <laughs> I've, I've, I've taken his name. I am his and he's got his name, so he's got my name. And I surrender. 